0: Hi, welcome to Seattle Mama Doc. This is Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. This is my very first official back to school podcast. It's 2016. And I want to just provide some updates as we throw our kids back into school of things you need to know, new updates in the news and policies that have changed. And then just a couple ideas for tips for decreasing the suffering, because I find this time of year a little dodgy myself, and my heart beats a little faster, and I'm a little stressed because... Even though summer comes with its own kind of taxes and toils, there's something about getting our kids ready for the new environment and getting ourselves ready again for the frenzy. So I'm going to first start with just some vaccine updates because I'm, as you guys all know, a vaccine advocate. But there are some changes and they're happening at state level, but they're also happening at a national level that I think parents really need to know about. So this year in Washington state, for example, new recommendations for entering school, vaccine Paperwork has to document that kids have had two doses of the varicella vaccine. That's the chickenpox vaccine. And when we first started immunizing in the 1990s, we were only doing one dose of chickenpox vaccine. And we realized over time that the immunity or the way that your child protects himself against an infection over time was boosted with a booster. So then we did a second dose as kids were entering kindergarten. Up to this time, the schools have only required documentation of one dose. Starting this year, you need to have a documentation of two of those doses. Now, you can find your immunization record in the state of Washington at MyIR.net. That's like myimmunizationregistry.net, and you can look. You can basically verify yourself, link yourself to your children, and get your own immunization records going forward. You'd also, of course, get them from your pediatrician's office or also from your schools. And you know, checking in on that on yourselves as your schools kind of catch up to is going to be important. You know, that's a new recommendation just for the paperwork, though, not for the shot. So just to be clear, recommendations are standard and have been for years for kids to get a dose of chicken pox right when they enter kind of their first year, so right at the 12-month visit usually. Uh, Some people give it at the 15-month, and then right when they enter um, that four-year-old dose or before they enter kindergarten. Last year, about 85% of Washington State kindergartners had all their required immunizations, at least the documentation of that. So we're still really working on kind of that coordination. Now, as we go back to school, too, I think it's a great time to get all the paperwork in. So if you're getting your paperwork on vaccines, just a reminder that we consider the flu vaccine an essential every year vaccine. So we don't have it yet in the state. Typically, we think we'll have a lot more flu vaccine into September and into October. But the flu vaccine is recommended for every child every year over the age of six months. We know it's safe and we consider it essential every year as the virus mutates and changes around the planet. This year, the big change is that we don't We're not recommending. The American Academy of Pediatrics and the council that supports recommendations for the CDC has gone forward to say no nasal flu this year. Reason being, in the last couple of years, the predominant circulating flu virus that was in the communities, those components in the flu vaccine that was given via the nasal spray, it just didn't work. The nasal spray only had an effectiveness about 3%, whereas the shot was effective 63% of the time. So unfortunately, this year, load up on rewards, stickers, special treats, a trip to the ice cream joint after the flu shot clinic, go together as a family and get them all done. Another thing to think about is the HPV vaccine. So we give HPV to girls and boys at age 11. They get three shots over like a six-month period. So you get the first shot. Then two months later, you go back and get a booster. And then six months at least or more after the first dose, You go back and you get the third one. Now, that's not required for school paperwork, typically, but we want a reminder to just kind of get that up to date. It's an anti-cancer vaccine that we give at age 11, really because it's convenient, because it's the same time that we do the tetanus booster and diphtheria and whooping cough booster, and the same time we do the meningitis shot, and we know it's more effective if you give it to kids when they're 11 than it is if you wait until, say, they're 16. So it's just a reminder that's another thing as you're getting back to school and thinking about your teens as well. And then there's all this other stuff that comes around this time, kind of the back-to-school anxiety and shifts. And, you know, we've recently done some podcasts around anxiety and ways to help our kids. And I think, you know, talking about the school schedule, mitigating kind of your own expression of the stress around this time, which I could certainly use some help with, and kind of modeling with your kids you guys are making a plan in the next few weeks if you're already back to school or if you're planning to do that – what you're doing to have a really good start. So orienting them to kids that they're going to be with in their class. You know, forming a play date with somebody you don't typically play with that you know is going to be in that class to kind of get your child ready and accustomed. You know, we have recently at home thought about even kind of writing a letter at the beginning of the school start or any routine you often do that your kids can kind of mark this time of year. And the other thing with anxiety that I think about as we transition and change, it's really sleep and how we know sleep has a profound effect on how we feel. And you know, in the summertime, we all typically shift our bedtime later, including our kids, because we've got the luxury to do it, but also because of the sunlight. And it's now that you want to shift it back. Most data suggests you can shift your bedtime about a half an hour every three to four days. So you know, I think if your kids have been going to bed at ten and you really want them going to bed at eight, you now you start marching the bedtime back to 9 30 immediately then three or four days later march it back to nine then three or four days later march it back to eight thirty, 30 and etc so do it gradually do it with your kids make a plan around it and kind of incentivize it in ways um, just so that they can feel um, ready you know to go and and ready to get started but also in control of kind of what their mood will be and lastly, as you get back into the school, you know, into the school routine, you know, just this week, information has come out from the American Academy of Pediatrics that changes in some ways how pediatricians might start advocating for vaccines around the country. The Academy went forward and is suggesting no more non medical exemptions for kids who are going to school. They're doing that because they really feel there's a legal and ethical responsibility from both parents and the government to have responsibility in maintaining the health of all children. And we know to keep diseases away, you have to have 85 to 90% of your population immunized. And kids are in unique circumstances of sharing infections, but they're also, kids are uniquely vulnerable to infections and the effects of them. So the Academy of Pediatrics is going forward saying, All states should mandate at the state level the requirement that kids go to if they're going to go to school, that they go to school vaccinated and that the only kids who should be able to opt out of vaccines are ones who have medical exemptions, meaning that at the state level, like California, Mississippi, and West Virginia to this time. They're the only three states that have completely gotten rid of religious and philosophic exemptions. And this is coming out of a place of both kind of ethics and compassion and the opportunity to think really carefully about how we send our kids off to a really safe place. So it'll be interesting to see how states respond and how parents really respond as well. But I think we're learning that, um, you know, hesitancy around vaccines has this big spectrum. And, um, as pediatricians and as health advisors, it's it's really well known that the benefits of vaccine outweigh the risks. And we really need these populations to be immunized to protect all of us, in particular, those who are vulnerable. And I think at the same time, you know, the Academy did publish some information about the differences in families who hesitate. I mean, first and foremost, you know, the majority of parents really do immunize their kids and really trust in vaccines. You know, 9 out of 10 families are immunizing on this schedule. It's really less than 1% who totally refuse vaccines. And the Academy also, you know, published a, a statement really talking about the differences. You know, those families who delay vaccines, they worry about really different things than families who completely outright refuse vaccines. So, you know, we want to work as pediatricians, I think, to continue to have really open dialogues around why is it if you're worried about vaccines that you're worried is it the amount of proteins in a vaccine that you're worried about or the amount of vaccines is it the is it kind of you know data around what you've heard in the media you know we know that social media and what you read online really affects how you feel about being vaccinated and i think we pediatricians really want to help you understand what the science really is So the thing is this, I mean, I think, you know, the spectrum of hesitancy, we're learning more and more about, and I just think about it, like, I always want families to just get the information they need so they feel good. I don't want people to get their kids immunized because I'm just telling them to, right? I want parents to really understand what I believe the profound benefit in the prevention and avoiding these infections. You know, we know there isn't a single study out there that shows a delayed schedule or an alternative schedule is safer. You still get side effects, and the risk that you can have from a vaccine But getting them later is no more beneficial. And then the window of time your kid could get an infection is bigger. But just as a reminder, you know, if parents are really concerned about too many vaccines, we have to remember vaccines are smarter than they used to be. So, you know, when you look at kind of at all the vaccines and kind of you look at the preteen vaccines today, they only have about 122 or 126 proteins in them compared to 3,200 proteins that were in the vaccines in the 1960s. So these like tailored antigens or these little pieces of viral you know, proteins that were bacterial proteins we put, they're just smarter. We're not overwhelming a child's immune system. In fact, we're just provoking their immune system to learn how to be really smart if a child is presented with infections later on. So I think I'll publish more information going forward about this new statement from the academy where pediatricians are kind of putting their hands together and saying, we really think that non-medical exemptions... Aren't in the best interest of children and our communities, and I think as as pediatricians start talking, I think there's more and more leeway to understand that you know it's only about ten um, percent of pediatricians, but over time, pediatricians may decide to dismiss a family who doesn't want to vaccinate if they just feel like they're not making any progress, if they're concerned about their waiting room environment, or they're concerned they're not really a good fit. And I think the Academy of Pediatrics is thinking differently about supporting pediatricians that way. As you as you may know, if you've read my content before, I I never wanted to mis- dismiss a family. Um, And I don't work in a clinical practice where the clinic, you know, encourages me to do that. I want to continue to always work with families who have concerns about any intervention and help guide them to, you know, resources online, resources in digital and social media, and just resources from having a communication with their own pediatrician or me about the opportunity of vaccines. Okay, that's the end of the vaccine part. Um, Best of luck as the school year starts. I am taking off work the first day of school. I'm very excited about it. I'm dropping my kids off. I'm picking them up. And I'm going to deal with that day head on. So um, good luck as you change your sleep, as you start packing lunches, as you get totally overwhelmed like the rest of us. May we all bond together and find ourselves some sleep. And um, at the same time, get our immunization records uh, back in check. Um, Thanks for listening. As, As we all know, parenting is such a high stakes job. But the good news is you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc podcasts episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at SeattleMamaDoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from.